You might think that pain you're experiencing right now is working against you, but it's actually working for you. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Pain is profitable. It has purpose that you're suffering, and my suffering's for, not for nothing, but it's for something to bring God glory and some sort of good to me. And I want to get it. I can't tell you how many times that's the prayer of our hearts for you, especially those of you that we've had the privilege of opening the Bible up to you and walking with you through a very difficult time. I can't tell you how hard it is, what a wrestling match it is, how difficult it is to take this book and depending on the Holy Spirit, trying to convince you that this is what the Bible says for your life. Do it. This is what it says. It's not my opinion. This is the answer to your situation. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Good to be with you today. Welcome to Abounding Grace. We've got a great study lined up for you based in John chapter 16. Hardship and difficulty visits all of our lives, and when it does, it's an opportunity to come to God with our concerns and needs. He's also up to something good in the midst of it all, as you'll hear in a moment. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with his message, Overcoming the World. Access is so wonderful. I mean, think about the type of access that you allow in your life. For example, I have an office at home where I study. I have an office here as well. I have an office here at home when I study, and, and we, have, we homeschooled our kids, so they were home all the time. And no matter what I was doing, no matter if the door was closed or the kids knew it was a study day or whatever, my kids had permission to, to slam the door open and come in at any time. They had free access to me. They didn't have to knock. They didn't have to, this is their house. I'm their dad. They can come to me anytime. On occasion, I would have to say I was on an important call, but most of the time, not at all. Well, I mean, they're, they're older now, so it'd be kind of weird if my 24-year-old son came in and sat on my lap. He doesn't do that anymore. But, or my daughter, but they could come in anytime. They, if the door's closed, it doesn't mean that there's no access. They can come in at any time. And I'm sure your kids can do the same thing with you. You would receive your kids. They can just show up at your doorstep at any time. You probably, I hope, have given them a key to your house if they've moved out. And you hopefully have given them the code to the alarm so they don't get busted. But they can just come in here because what? Like I told my kids, like I told Eddie when he moved out, my house is forever your house. And your family's forever my family. You can come in at any time and access. Whether you want to take advantage of access or not, that's up to you. But you're my son. You'll always be my son. You'll always be my daughter. My house is always your house. That's what the father in a very real way is saying the same thing. Man, my house is always your house. You come to me anytime you want. You don't need to knock. You don't need to ask permission. You just come. And we have a similar, I have a similar philosophy here when I'm in the office here. You know, all of our offices here have windows um, in every door, primarily for accountability's sake, but also so you can peek in to see if they're in the office. And even if my door is closed, I try to keep it unlocked. I forget sometimes, but I try to keep it unlocked. So anybody that serves with me, anybody, they can come in at any time. Like that, that's, that's relationship. You could come in at any time. 
And that's what the Father's saying. We have a relationship. I want you to come in. Let's talk. What's on your heart, son? What's on your heart, daughter? And that's what Jesus, the Father loves you, so come to him. The Father loves you, so come to him. Now, verse 29. His disciples said to him, See now, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. I love these guys. I love this guy. I love it because they're confused. They're messed up. But now toward the end, they're going, oh, we understand now. I think that they're really sincere, personally. But I also know from the rest of the text and the rest of the gospel, they don't understand. (laughs) And you'll see it lived out in their lives. But you have to appreciate their desire. Jesus meets them where they're at, and they're trying to meet him where he's at. They go, oh, now we understand. He was talking future. I'm going to speak plainly to you later. And I believe that's a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit, right? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate the scriptures, to teach us all things, to lead us into all truth. And so there's coming a time where it won't be just pictures and, and, and it won't be figuratively. You're going to know plainly. And even more than that, you're going to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you to have plain understanding and explanations. I think it's great. They they don't understand, but they're trying. And I think it's so representative of you and me at times where we we think we understand, but we don't. I can't tell you how many times I've been in that place where I thought I got it, but I really didn't get it. I was sincere. I, I, I thought I got it. I thought I understood, but I was wrong. And I needed to go back to a place of dependency and saying, God, please help me get it. Help me get it. That's the phrase I like, you know, help me get it. I don't always know what it is, but I want to get it at every stage of my life. I don't want anything to be wasted. I I want to live out the truth of the scriptures that pain is profitable. It has purpose that you're suffering and my suffering's not for nothing, but it's for something to bring God glory and some sort of good to me. And I want to get it. I can't tell you how many times that's the prayer of our hearts for you. Especially those of you that we've had the privilege of opening the Bible up to you and walking with you through a very difficult time. I can't tell you how hard it is, what a wrestling match it is, how difficult it is to take this book And depending on the Holy Spirit, trying to convince you that this is what the Bible says for your life. Do it. This is what it says. It's not my opinion. This is the answer to your situation. Instead, there's a battle. No, I don't believe that. And I don't want that. And this guy said this. And no, no, the Bible couldn't. It's it's right here. It says it. All you need is the Spirit of God in the Bible and you'll be fine. And so you'll leave our office perhaps and I'll just pray, man, Lord, please help them get it because if they don't get it, they're going to lose their marriage. God, please help them get this because if they don't, they're going to lose their kids. God, please, I want them to get this because they're going to go out and drive drunk one more time. But this time, they're going to kill someone and they're going to ruin a life and a family. God, you got God, God, please help them get this. And the words are different, but the substance is the same. Help them get this because if they overdose on heroin one more time, it might be their last overdose, and it's it. Help them get it, Lord. And I'm sure you're praying that in people's lives as well, and you probably didn't even know you were praying that. 
God, I pray for my mom that she would get it because I want to see her get saved. God, God, I'm praying for my neighbor. I'm praying for my coworker that they would get it or they're going to become more suicidal than they already are. So much of our prayers are just that, even if you don't use that language. Let, let me show you one in the Bible. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and let me show you a, a get it prayer in the Bible from Paul himself. This is so powerful. And you might want to jot it down and look for these things when you're reading in your devos and you're reading the Bible, man. It's all over the place. Notice with me chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14. Such a powerful prayer. And it's, a, it's one of those prayers that Paul wants the church in Ephesus and us to get it. Notice. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and here's the get it part, may be able to comprehend, that you would understand. You might, if you like to write in your Bibles, just write next to that, get it. This is what he's praying, that they would get it, that we would get it, that we would understand with all the saints what is the width and the length, the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory by the church, in the church by Christ throughout all ages without end. Amen. Oh, that the Lord would help us to get it, whatever it might be today. Whatever God is wanting to draw out from us, it's a good prayer to pray. Come back with me now and let's close out our chapter in verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you'll be scattered, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. That's a kind way of saying you're going to abandon me in my deepest, darkest day of need. But Jesus does it very graciously. You're going to leave me alone. But they're literally going to abandon him. Some of you have been abandoned. You even deal with that from a young age. Or, and it's left you with feelings of loneliness or it's left you with feelings of lacking trust and not wanting to trust anyone because you don't want to be hurt anymore, this is the verse for you. This is a life-giving verse to those of you that deal with abandonment, those of you that deal with loneliness. He says, you're going to leave me scattered, yet, and you're going to leave me alone, but Jesus says, yet I'm not alone because the Father's with me. And that's the truth for you. you you're not alone. Even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will not forsake me. I'm not alone. I have a real God who loves me with a real everlasting love. And the same is true for you. May the Lord give you freedom today through this truth. May he release you from holding on to all of those emotions. And just be reminded, just mark it, I'm not alone. He says in verse 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Can you get an amen to that? Probably not. <laughs> you're like, no way, I'm not amening that. But it's true. In this world, you're going to have a lot of tribulation, a lot of trouble, a lot of trial. I mean, if you expect anything from this world other than tribulation, you're going to be sorely disappointed. 
It's going to come from people. It's going to come from situations. It's going to come from circumstances. It's going to come because you love Jesus. People are going to hate you just because you love Jesus. People are going to come against you just because they're jealous. People are going to just, all sorts of things are going to happen because you're connected to Jesus and you're in this world. But he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Can I get an amen on that one? Well, not many. But for those of you that did, I'm happy. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's two types of people in the world. Those that are overcome by trials and those that are overcomers. Those that overcome in trials. Those that just persevere and endure. And those that are, are overcome by them. Jesus says, be of good cheer. It's so ironic. You're going to have hardship and difficulty, disciples. You're going to abandon me. You're going to be beating, beating yourself up with self-condemnation. You're going to look back and go, why did I leave him? Why didn't I stick it out? What kind of knucklehead am I? But you be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And you're going to overcome that. I've just sensed in my own life in these last few years in my life that I, I want in my life, just for me personally, my own walk with the Lord, I want to overcome everything that's sent my way. I want to overcome. I don't want to cave under the pressure. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to be another pastoral statistic that got caught up in some sinful stupidity and disqualified myself. I don't want any of that. I want to overcome. And I want to spend the rest of my life encouraging people to overcome in Jesus Christ. That's where your peace is. Jesus says, in me you'll have peace. Which is really a summary of of John chapter 15. Of the abiding relationship that you and I have. That's where peace comes from. As a matter of fact, the Bible describes a peace that's beyond understanding. And this is what that means. Jesus says, in me you have peace. Doesn't matter what's happening around the world. Doesn't matter what's happening. You can have a peace that nobody understands. You may not even understand it. That you have a spiritual contentment and peace, even though everyone around you go, how can you, be, how can you have such a peace like that? How can, you, how can you not be caught up in everything? Why aren't you all and freaking out and everything? You go, no, no, I'm in Jesus. I have a peace that he's given me, a peace, a settled confidence, a peace that Paul said uh, that, that passes understanding, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Recently in my life, uh, reading and wanting to be encouraged in the realm of suffering and difficulties, I picked up uh, a books and audiobooks from Elizabeth Elliot. Some of you are familiar with Elizabeth Elliot. She's since gone home to be with the Lord, but her husband Jim and a few other men were missionaries in Ecuador. And they felt a strong calling as young people to go to an, a group of indigenous people there that didn't have the Bible translated in their language uh, and didn't, didn't know the gospel. They literally went to an unreached people group and they took with other couples and they went into this area of the jungle and set up a missionary camp there to reach this group of people, these cannibalistic, indigenous, uh, head-hunting people. And they knew what they were getting into. And it wasn't but a few months that they were on the mission field that these cannibals took a spear, and they thrust it through Jim Elliott's heart, and I believe three other men with them. There's a movie on it, if you can look it up. It's called End of the Spear, or Tip of the Spear, one of the two. Uh, it's from Nate Saint's perspective, his son. It's a phenomenal story. 
And she lost her husband as a young woman. She became a widow, a missionary widow. And as she was praying, God gave her a peace that passes all understanding to go back to the jungle and finish the mission that God called her and her husband to start. And she went back without her husband. And she began to work. She had responsibility of teaching the kids there, translating the Bible into their language. And she committed herself to go there and had such a great peace that this was God's will for her life. And that was the day long before, in the 50s, I believe, long before social media, that she would receive bags of letters, mails. You guys know, you guys know what mail is? Where you write it down, put it in an envelope, and put a stamp on it, and the postman, a postwoman take... You guys know what that is, right? So that's what she would receive. And hundreds of... So encouraged. We're praying for you. We love you. Sorry you lost your husband. Amazing encouragement. And it only settled and strengthened her peace until she received that one letter. And she did. She received a letter from her former mother-in-law, Jim's mom, who she respected and loved very much. Uh, She was a doctor. And she began to write to Elizabeth things like, you shouldn't be there. You're just covering up your grief. If you don't deal with your grief, you're gonna, it's going to explode on you. And it was well-meaning and well-intentioned. And it greatly stumbled Elizabeth. She had been living on faith, believing this was the will of God. He was healing her through the process of grief. She was exactly where she belonged by God. But this one little note, well-intentioned as it was, made her start to question everything that she believed. Maybe I shouldn't be out here. Maybe I am covering up my grief. Maybe I am not thinking straight. Maybe I shouldn't be a missionary. On and on and on and on. But then as she was wrestling with that, she said something that jumped off the page of this book to me. And she said something. She said it to herself. She says, doesn't God still give a peace that passes understanding? To which she answered, yes. And she stayed in the mission until she completed it. And I ask you that question today. Doesn't God still give a peace that passes understanding? Yes or no? Yes, he does. But you'll be misunderstood. You will make a spiritual decision that God will give you a peace. And people will question you. Why are you doing that? Don't you know? You know, for example, I think back to the beginning of major faith steps for us. Steps that Marie and I had to take. One of them was the decision for her to stay home and raise our children. We didn't have that growing up. My parents couldn't afford it. And Marie's mom was a single mom. She definitely couldn't afford it. So Marie came home to an empty house. I came home to an empty house. That's how we were raised. But as believers, we felt convicted. Not for everybody, just for our family that she should stay home. But that was a very costly decision. Marie at the time made much more money than I did. She had all of our medical benefits and all the things that came from working with a large company. And we just looked at the, it didn't make sense on paper. It didn't make sense of how we were doing the math, but it did make sense to obey God and trust him. And we did. And she was able to not only stay home with all three of our children, but also homeschool them all the way into college and be there when they got home, and be there when they need. I mean, it, it, and God took care of us, but people didn't understand. We didn't understand. I thought it was crazy. I thought it was absolutely crazy, but God didn't. You know, some of you are called to the mission field. That means you're going to leave your whole career. 
all the money you've ever made, all the comfort and ease that you have, the nice little mortgage and the house and the cars and the gas and the cars and no worry in the world. God's been speaking to you to sell it all and go into the mission field. And to that I say, amen, do it. But you're going to hear some voices. Why would you do that? Why'd you go to school your whole life? Why aren't you using your career? It made me remember a faithful, loving couple from our congregation. And they had very successful careers and could have made, you know, who knows what in this world. They were just so smart. They st- I mean, they are. And God put a conviction upon Andrew's heart to leave his software job and come and be our high school pastor at a salary that was far below what he was making in the world. That's all we could give him. And, and he loved our kids. He is a pastor to Mike Boy, Eddie. And took care of him like he was his own. Rhonda, Dr. Rhonda, she also came to a conviction in their family that she should stay home and raise her family and take the PhD and just set it aside for a season. You don't know how long, but just take care of the kids to which they added to their tribe. And they have uh, many kids now. And now on top of what their calling was, little did they know that serving here in this little church would lead to, well, now he pastors a church in Pagosa Springs and is making an impact in the southern part of Colorado by making a spiritual decision that really doesn't make any sense. And you just got to expect when you make spiritual decisions and you have a peace from God, that there will be everything possible to rip that peace out of your heart, to take it away. God gave it to you, but the world wants to rip you off. The devil, he wants to rip you off, literally. He does not want you to do what God wants you to do. He wants you to compromise. He wants you to meet halfway. He wants you to go just a little bit. He doesn't want any of these radical people to go, no, I don't care what the numbers say. I, don't, I, I know that God will take care of me. I know that God will do this. Now, I have to say, just for balance, some of you are very successful in the world, and that's where God wants you. And so as you look at it, you go, well, maybe I feel this calling, but the Lord says, no, I've got you in that hospital. I've got you in that truck. I've got you in that saw, because that's where I want you. And it takes just as much faith to be faithful there as it would to take another step. It's all spiritual. And I'm here to remind you that God still gives a peace that passes understanding and you can trust him. Even though the onslaught of spiritual warfare will be very, very real. Martin Luther once said, the prince of darkness grim, We tremble not at him. One little word will fell him. I thought it was great. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not at him. One little word will fell him. And I'll tell you the name right now. The name is Jesus. He has to submit to the name of Jesus. He has to. He has to submit to the authority of the name of Jesus Christ because Jesus is God's appointed and rightful king. The devil thinks he owns this world. He doesn't. He might be the God of this world, but it's not his. The devil thinks he owns your kids. He doesn't. Your kids belong to the Lord. The devil thinks he owns your house and your money and all your decisions. And I'm here to tell you, he doesn't own any of that. You belong to the Lord. So start making those decisions toward God and ask him for a peace that passes understanding. And ask him to lead you to something. Make that your prayer this week. Ask God to lead you to something that's completely going to mess with your head so that you can trust him with a peace that passes all understanding. 
We are going through the Gospel of John one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web, AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. See if this sounds familiar. You come across an atheist or non-believer that has some questions about Christianity or the Bible. It's about that time you scratch your head in confusion and don't know what to say. Well, allow Ron Rhodes to help in a book called Five Minute Apologetics for Today. Now, the book is short, giving you one-page answers to common questions and objections. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Now, you may not realize this, but we are listener-supported. And each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work over the radio and the Internet and will be prayerfully and responsibly used. You'll be helping people all across the nation and around the world grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in John's Gospel. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 